Good morning. If you would, turn your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 20. We'll be continuing our study of the Ten Commandments, also known as the Ten Words, that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. I'm going to condense this study down. In our catechism, it goes from question 46 to, I believe, question 94. So we're talking about 50 questions. And a lot of it's redundant, so me and Jimmy talked about it. He gave me pretty much a parameter to go by, and I think we're going to break, break this down to about 13 studies, and I think we'll be able to accomplish everything in that because the Bible says that we're no longer under the law, so I don't want to beat you with the law for 50 questions because <laughs> we are in the New Covenant. Let's look over. Let's read the Ten Commandments first. In Exodus chapter 20, and let's look through verses 3 through 17 to start. It says here in verse 3 that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and in it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates." For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Let's pray before we go further. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We pray that you would open our minds, Father, to understand how great this law is that you put before us. And we don't want to concentrate so much on the old, Lord, but we want to understand this new covenant, Lord, that in the light of what you commanded, you sent forth a perfect man that would accomplish it for us. And that we looked at that perfect man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help me, Lord, as I teach this morning. Help your people that we can understand greater depths in this. And to you be all the glory and praise. In Christ's name we do ask it. Amen. <clears throat> Our question this morning, what is the sum 
of the Ten Commandments. The sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourself. And I'm also going to combine another question this morning. What is the preface to the Ten Commandments? If you would, turn to Matthew 22. And we'll look at the sum of the Ten Commandments in Scripture quoted by Christ and his apostles. Matthew 22. And we'll look at verses 36 through 40. Actually, start verse, yeah, 36. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Questions 1, I'm sorry, Commandments 1 through 4. On the first table, is commandments toward God, how we are supposed to worship him. The second table, 5 through 10, is how we are to act with our neighbors. Mark 12, if you turn there, we'll see it spoke of here again. Mark 12, look at verse 28. And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, the first of all commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Now, do you believe that this was a New Testament understanding of what the Old Testament said? Actually not. And in Joshua chapter 22, verse 5, after they had just came into the land with promise, Joshua says this to the people. He says, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord your God, and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave to him. Cleave meaning to keep a strong grip or to hold fast to the lawgiver. Not to the law itself, but to the one who gave the law. And to serve him with all your heart, and with all your soul. The understanding was in the Old Testament. Paul said this in Romans 13, 9, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor 
as thyself. Scripture also teaches us that love covers a multitude of sin. You've heard it, you've heard it said before that the, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, if you want someone to do right to you, well, of course, you would expect to do right to them. You can't do wrong and expect right in exchange. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 12, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets, to love your neighbor as yourself. All these rules, all these commandments that God put before us, for what reason? For us to live a blessed life, to live in harmony with our neighbors, to live in harmony with our God. Romans 13.10 says this, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. The summation of the law is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart thy mind, thy soul, thy spirit, thy strength, everything that is within you. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. Two simple commandments, but yet impossible to keep. Turn back to Exodus 20 if you would. And I'd like you to see something here. In verse 2, we started in verse 3 earlier. And this is so easy to miss, brothers and sisters. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. One simple verse there, one simple sentence, but there's so much richness right there I am the Lord your God thy God who brought you out he was a deliverer he redeemed them out of Egypt he redeemed them from their bondage before he gave them the law he saved them now not all that come out of Israel come out of Egypt was saved we know that but if you would turn to Isaiah 43 I'd like you to see something with this now we know in the New Testament it says this it says that the law came by Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ Isaiah chapter 43 a good piece of this chapter starting in verse 1 it says but now thus saith the Lord that created thee O Jacob that he that formed thee O Israel fear not for I have redeemed thee I have called thee by name thou art mine called by God redeemed by God belong to God 
When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. He delivered them out of Egypt. And the text here says that he gave Egypt as a ransom for them. Since thou was precious in my sight and that has been honorable, I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not brag. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. And notice this in the next couple verses here. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes. And deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witness that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it is truth. Bring forth the blind that have eyes. Bring forth the deaf that have ears. How many times have we heard this in the New Testament? That they have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that they have those that do not have eyes to see and ears to hear. He gone on before this to say that they're all his. Call my sons from all parts of the earth. Verse 10, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall they be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver thee out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out of Egypt, out of bondage. Our Redeemer, our Savior, who saved us from our sins. Look at Isaiah 48 as we're here. Chapter 48, one verse here. Look at verse 17. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. He gave us commandments, and not only did he give it, but he leads us through it. He's given us eyes to see, those of us who are in Christ, and ears to hear, to believe. 
He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, Psalm 23, 3 says. Let's look in Ezekiel for a moment. Ezekiel chapter 36. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came to us by Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 36. We'll see here that salvation produces obedience by faith and not fear. We do not obey by fear. We obey by faith because we've been given a new heart, a new desire, a new mind. Not that we keep it perfectly. We fail miserably each time. But we have new desires now. Verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And notice in verse 27, I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them how because we've been given a new heart we've been given a new spirit that stony heart has been taken away second corinthians if you turn there a few more verses this morning Second Corinthians chapter three. And we'll see here, we know that Paul spoke of in Romans chapter seven. He talked about the law and that before he knew the law, he felt like he was free from sin. He said, but when the law came and confronted me with it, I realized that I was a sinner. And the law that was good became death unto me because he realized that he had broken God's law. And that the law demanded perfection. He goes on to say later in that chapter, Woe is me. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? He goes on to say a few verses before that, The things that I ought to do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I should not do are the things that I find myself doing always. So I see within me, that with the mind, I want to serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And these two are at war all the time within my members. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verses 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient in and of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency 
is of God, who have also made us able ministers of the New Testament, notice, not of the letter, speaking of the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out. That put a new spirit in you. That put a new heart in you. It's not the keeping of the law. It's the lawgiver who changed you and helps you to walk in his ways. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure it's not something that we work up in our flesh it's not our understanding it's not our study it's not our white knuckle grip trying to be made right with God by keeping his commandments we know that the scripture says this by the deeds of the law keeping the law in the flesh shall no flesh be justified in his presence for by the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law came forth in order to increase the trespass. Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 teaches that the Gentiles who are law unto themselves when they do the things that are right in the law they would be justified. It goes on in Romans chapter 2 talking about the Jews who had the law were still guilty because they couldn't keep the law. And Paul concludes in Romans chapter 3 that all are under sin. But he does say that the Jews had an advantage because they had the law. They had the oracles of God. But it didn't profit them. Why? Head knowledge of the law without a change inwardly is pointless. You cannot keep the law and please God. The only one that ever pleased God the Father was the Son. It says in Galatians that he was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. We sang a song this morning, His Robes for Mine. That was on purpose. Have you ever heard the term double imputation? On the cross, Christ took my sin upon himself. And he died in my place, bearing the wrath of God for me for what I deserved. My sin was imputed, imputed, excuse me, to him. Now the scripture also teaches that we're not only saved by his life, but we are saved by his death. So how am I saved by his life? That law that had to be perfectly kept, it says that he was holy and blameless without spot or wrinkle. He did not break the law one time. Perfectly kept the law. So as we sang that song, his robes for mine, my filth was put on him. And his life and his perfect righteousness was put on me. So when God the Father looks at me, he looks at the merits of Christ. And I stand justified because of what Christ did, not because of what I did. 
Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll wrap up this morning. You'll turn there. His robes for mine, a wonderful exchange. Clothed in my sin, Christ suffered near God's rage. Hebrews chapter 12, start in verse 18. And the writer of Hebrews right here gives a picture of when the law was given to Moses, the old covenant, versus how we receive in the new covenant today. Verse 18. For you are not coming to the mount that might not be touched, that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempests, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. When God descended Mount Sinai, it was horrible sight. He said, do not even let an animal come near. Only you, Moses, could come up on this mountain. And if anyone was to touch the mountain or even come close to the mountain, they should be thrust through with a sword or a spear because no one was worthy to approach. Verse 24, they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses even said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That was the old covenant. Verse 22 says this, but you have not, you are come to Mount Sion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. How are these just men made perfect? By the blood of Christ, by his life. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things, than that of Abel. This law, this commandments, and we're going to go through each one of them one by one and really get a good understanding about all the particulars and specifics of what was required and what is still required. The scripture says this, that a man that lives in them must do them. Now, Jesus has said many times in the scripture, we think about when he interacted with the rich man. He told the rich man, go sell off all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me and you'll have riches in heaven. If that rich man would have done that, would have he obtained eternal life? Because his question at the beginning was, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. Friends, there is nothing that you can do to inherit eternal life. There is one way to the Father, 
and that's Jesus Christ. There is no name under heaven or on earth or where which a man can be saved except Jesus Christ. The law, Paul said, was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Our question this morning was, what was the sum of the Ten Commandments? The sum of the Ten Commandments is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. And also we looked at the preface to the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord thy God that brought thee out of the land of bondage. Have you been delivered from that land of bondage? Have you been set free from your sins? Have you went through that wonderful of strength exchange, his robes for yours? Oh, what a glorious day that was for me. And how much more glorious every day is God giving you more revelation and more revelation and more revelation of this. That I am forgiven. How can that be? I remember a song here years back. Amazing love, how can it be? that you, my king, would die for me. Wrap your head around that. A king would come and die for his subjects. What great love. Let's, let's dismiss. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your law, Father. We thank you for the guide that you have given us and I, Lord, I, I know for myself, I do my best to keep it. I, I, I don't wake up in, in, in the morning and say, hey, it's a free-for-all. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm, I'm saved. I'm set free. No. I don't want to break your law. I definitely don't want to break your law in front of people and bring reproach to your name. But I thank you, dear Lord, that you have bought us with a price, your precious blood. And we thank you for it, Lord. We we thank you that you accomplished what we couldn't accomplish and that you gave us your righteousness, Lord. That you've called unto yourself a people whom you determined to pour your love and affection on. And we thank you for your love, Lord. We pray for the next hour, Father. We pray for the prayer time we're about to have here. May Jesus Christ be glorified this morning. In his precious name we do pray and ask it. Amen.